Well, good morning. It is uh, great to have you here. Great to, great to be together. If we haven't met, my name's Dean, and uh, really, really glad to have you here. We are in uh, our second week of the Attitude Adjustment. Now, uh, one of the cool things we have this week as well is power. Yeah. Hey, how about that? So... They got the whole suburb sort of back out, power on at the end, so we got power right from the get-go. But this is, uh, it's great to have you. If, you. if you're jumping in this week, uh, we're in this series called The Attitude Adjustment. And we're, we're reflecting on how, you know, one of the most powerful determiners of our experience in life is actually our attitude. Uh, circumstances change good, can be bad. Uh, we can go through. We can't always change our circumstances or what's going on around us or the people around us. But in every situation, we can choose what will be our attitude. And attitude is a pattern of thought. It's how we think about uh, what's happening. And so uh, this morning, we're going to continue in this series. Now, the thing about changing attitudes uh, is it's not easy to do. When you begin to think a certain way, you, you may have done it for a very long time. So it's not an easy thing to do, which is why this is our picture. In fact, we've got a little video clip to keep us reminded that when you think about what it's like to adjust an attitude, uh, this is our snapshot. We have to keep it in mind. This is what it feels like. This is what it looks like. Uh, so you may have got last week. It's worth just remembering. It's not easy. We've got a little video clip. This is, uh, this is John Cena. Some of you are familiar with John Cena. And uh, do we have that, Steve? John Cena, WrestleMania. Here we go. So this is John in the, in the jean shorts. Now look at him. He's a strong guy. Now this is a move. Boom. The attitude adjustment right there. That's something you saw last week. One more time. All right, that's what it can feel like. It's a bit of that. Look at this. Now, it's challenging, I know. It's challenging, but... Look at, look at the, the joy on everyone's face. Look at the satisfaction. Look at that. And this is just a beautiful thing. I know most of you, that was your first response. This is a beautiful thing uh, to see. And, and I want you to, to keep in mind, because here's what it's like. Adjusting our attitude. That, that's a move called, if you're new, if you missed that last week, it's a move called the attitude adjustment. And to actually sometimes change... A bad attitude that we've held on to for a long time. This is why we actually, the, the fun of that photo is to, to change that. It's not easy. And it sometimes feels like, man, you got to like push with everything you've got to, to actually say, I'm going to find a new way of thinking and responding to things. So uh, we're going to hear, you're going to get to hear a little bit more about the rubber bands. Did you see there's some rubber bands on your seat? Did you grab one of those? Now, we got those because uh, last week we talked about this rubber band challenge. We'll tell you about it later. Um, but there are some people afterward who are like, how come we didn't get a rubber band? How come you didn't have them for us? And then, yeah, it's so funny. That's awesome. Thank you, Amber, because it was so much funnier. So either you weren't here last week or the message on complaining kind of whooped. Anyway, so... Um, you, if you don't know what they're about, you'll find out by the end of the service, and, and it'll be good. So last week we were talking about this whole idea of what does it mean to go from a complaining attitude to a, who is here? Gratitude. Thankfulness. Gratitude works and rhymes with attitude. Thankfulness. You know, that we go from complaining to thankfulness, and we're going to look at a new attitude adjustment uh, this week. Who's ready? Are you with me? Are you with me? I was looking for, oh yeah. All right. Are you with me? Oh 
Are you with me? That is pretty good. Now, next time we're going to add, we haven't church, we ain't going nowhere. Anyway, so that's next time. But we'll get there. All right. Number 16 is where we are at. Let's get on track. Number 16, we're looking at a new story. This is stories all through this series. Uh, we are looking at the experience of the Israelites, these people that God had said, I've got this great land for you. I've got a place I'm taking you. It's a, it's a good place. But their attitudes, the scriptures called it their, their murmuring. Now, last week, did you do this? Did you say, let me hear you say the word murmur. Let me hear you say it one more time. Now say it three times in a row. Yeah, okay. Now I just want to make sure we all know what we're talking about. <laughs> hear that sound? That's the sound of a bad attitude. Is that, did, did you do that last week? The rumble, rumble, grumble. All right. Let me say grumble. Let me hear that three times. This half of the room, do murmuring. This half of the room, do grumbling. All right, go, three times. Oh, man, that was it. Okay, so anyway, this is the people. It's the bad attitude. It's just kind of what it feels like, sounds like, and we're going to get another look. Last week it kind of was complaining, and this week we'll see another form it takes. So here's what happens. The people, they realize, God tells them, you're not going into the promised land. Your bad attitude, your lack of faith is keeping you out. You're going to be in the wilderness for the next 40 years. It's not a real fun place to be. And, you know, complaining is kind of giving way to kind of another uh, layer, another level, if you will, of bad attitude. And these four guys, here we go, 16, 1 and 2. Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, and on became insolent. Let me hear you say insolent. And they rose up against Moses. And with them were 250 Israelite men, well-known community leaders, good people who had been appointed members of the council. So they, they all kind of gather and they come to Moses and they come as a group to oppose Moses and Aaron and said to them, you have gone too far. The whole community is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is with them. Why then do you set yourselves above the Lord's assembly? Now, our attitude that we're going to look at adjusting today is an insolent attitude. Now, what's happening here? Okay, what's going on? What's going on with these guys? Now, they're all out in the wilderness. Uh, they're not going to the promised land. It's not good. So these four guys, they get together and they basically go, uh, you know what? Moses, who is this guy? Who does he think he is? Like, who set you above the whole Lord's assembly? And this insolent attitude spreads, and it gathers up 250 other leaders, community leaders, not kind of like bad people or anything. They were good, 250 leaders, and they all start to gather together, and they come to Moses, and they show up, and they're like, we're here to oppose you. And like, who do you think you are? Why do you think you're so great? Like, who made you leader of, of all of us? Why are you guys in charge? Moses, like, probably quietly in his head is like, um, God, <laughs> you know, no, I mean like literally, <laughs> like it is burning bush and anyway, um, but what you see happen here is one of the most common kind of expressions of, of attitude that can happen when we feel like someone is in charge that we maybe disagree with. Now, what these guys were going to come and do, encourage you maybe to read the whole of number 16 this week, what they basically were saying is like, we, we want more. We want to be 
you could kind of say, more in charge ourselves. We want a higher position. They actually had a fairly special position already, but it's like we want more. And who do you think you are anyway to be in charge? Now, this is going to be tough, so please focus with me. Are you focus with me? I wanted the oh yeah, but anyway, it's, um, that was good. I know you're with me. Imagine, imagine like people like this. It's like there's a leader, there's someone in charge, and imagine people who sort of feel like, you know what, who are you to be in charge? Like, can you imagine that maybe that could happen? And imagine, I know it's hard, because we would never, it's hard to imagine that people wouldn't just look at someone who is like say a leader, maybe their boss, or maybe in charge of a department, or a teacher, or maybe a parent. We, we find it hard to imagine that anyone would ever not just go, I'm so grateful that you're in the position you're in. How can I just get behind that? I mean, it's hard to imagine someone who might be like, you know, who, who are you to tell me what to do? But imagine there was, there was a people like that. And imagine it became so pervasive that they decided to give a whole name to it. And they were struggling to find, like, should we just call it insolent or should we call it something else? And they were like, I got it. You know, what if there was, like, this tall flower, maybe a poppy? <laughs> and they were like, you know what? That attitude is like, yeah, you know what? Hey, who are you? Let's cut that poppy down. You know, <laughs> let's imagine. No, you can't, right? It never happened. This is, like, so much funnier than you give me credit for. <laughs> like, or else it's just feeling like more convicting than funny. I'm not sure. <laughs> Here's what I want us to get. We read this about the Israelites. Do you, do, do, you, do you realize this? We live in a culture and country where to say, who do you think you are, is so ingrained, we got a whole name for it. And whenever somebody gets off a plane for the first time in Australia, and we're like, let me tell you what it's like. One of the first things you'll explain to him is, there's this thing. It's called tall poppy syndrome. I can remember it was like probably the third thing that was explained to me. When I got off a plane 14 years ago, it was, do you want to go for the Eagles or the Dockers? And then you should know about tall poppy syndrome. You know, I was like, welcome to Australia. Here's Tim Tim. And so, <laughs> it's not terribly inaccurate. But, <laughs> but here's the thing. The reason I say that is because, uh, you know, we talk about attitude adjustment. Here's what I want us to get. We live in a culture where this is borderline glorified. Because when I was first, you know, I, I, when I first moved here 14 years ago, I can just remember as well people telling me, you know, you just got to know it. Australia's real anti-authoritarian. It's real anti-authority. You know who our hero is? They were like, you know, you're from America. You're like Johnny Appleseed or something. You know who we got? Ned Kelly. <laughs> Who's Ned Kelly? Whoa, boy, did I learn. You know? and there's something in our culture like, the world that we live in is all about who are you to tell me what to do. And that is what it looks like to be insolent at times. You know, this word, insolence, and this whole section is often called Korah's Rebellion. You know, what's at the core of that attitude. It's something that God in, in the scriptures says, this is wrong. And it's the, it, what's at the core of it is a rebellious heart and a rebellious mindset. What's at the core of, you know what, the Bible 
calls sin, when it tells us the story of how sin came, sin is anything that misses the mark of what God dreams for us. And when you go back to the Garden of Eden and the story that we find there of God saying to Adam and Eve, here's the whole deal. You got the whole garden. It's all good. It's all great. You're in charge of all of it. There's only one rule. Don't eat this thing. And what's the one thing we do? It's not enough to go, sure, we can go with what you want, God. It's who are you? You know, did God really say? Ah, you know, and so we just got to understand this. For all of us, one of the things that's at the core of the brokenness of humanity is this kind of attitude of who are you to tell me what to do? And we cannot kind of go, well, that's just how it is or how we are. We got to know this is maybe how it works in the world. It's okay to be like, who are you to tell me? For if we are going to be a follower of God, if we're going to embrace the life he dreams for us, if we're going to get to the promised land of what he imagines life to look like, we've actually got to adjust this attitude. Now, what's this look like? Because I know you're probably like, look, Dean, I'm not, you know, kind of at work tomorrow going, look, my boss, I'm, I'm a little bit don't like, you know, my supervisor or, you know, my head of department. I'm kind of tired of how they've been treating me. And, you know, I'm going in trying to find 250 people and go, let's go. You know, let's take this place. You're like, Dean, that's not me. I'm not these guys. I'm not these 250 people. That's not like that's, whoa, you know, when... What does insolent look like? You know, here's a little bit. You know this word insolent. Here's what it means. It means kind of an attitude, uh, uh, and, and I've got a, an exact, so showing a rude and arrogant lack of respect. Where did this whole kind of rebellion start? It started with guys who started to get this kind of rude and arrogant lack of respect. Who's Moses? You know, why should he get to to have his position, and Aaron, why shouldn't we have a little bit more, and why shouldn't, and then it just kind of grows, and guess what, it started with how many people did it start with, four, and then it says it ended up spreading to 250 other good leaders from the community, and an insolent, kind of rude, arrogant lack of respect for people that have been placed in authority is something that, it, it just has a way of growing and spreading and developing, and it, and it turns into some really ugly things that keep us from, from God's dream for our life. Now, here's the thing. So, insolent. Here, here's the thing. So, you're like, what does this look like? Because most of us aren't leaving. You know, here's, can I, I want to give you two pictures of, of what it looks like, insolent. At the core of all this is we have to understand that, you know, God puts different kind of structures of authority. All of us have different places that we are under authority or where we are over authority. So, take one uh, authority example in, our, in the world God created is parents in authority over children. Like parents are there for the flourishing and good of their children to raise them up. Because children don't come out, you know, kind of grow up and their first words aren't like, yours, let me serve you. Children grow up and their first words are mine. And there needs to be, and God's given parents his authority to help kids grow. Now imagine this, if you've ever been a parent, maybe you've been a teacher or you've been around kids and, you know, an insolent attitude, like, why not insolent? Do you know what, you, you know what, here's one little glimpse maybe of what insolent can look like, and, and some of you are, are perfect parents with perfect children, so you'll struggle to relate, but I understand that, and that's okay. All I got is my own world to think about. And, um, you know, have you ever asked, like, a, a kid to do something, and you might be a teacher, and, and, and you had the same experience or something like that, but you ask a kid to do something, you know, it's like, hey, you know, could you take that toy and take it to your room? And, and you would think they just, you just ask them, like, hey, could you pick up this house and move it three blocks over? You know, like, like the response, like, could you just take that and maybe go put it in your room? And you get something back along the lines of this. Oh, 
Have you ever heard that? <laughs> you know? And, and like, let's just make that noise together. <laughs> yeah, some of you are too practiced at that, you know? Like, like me, you know? It, it's like, you know, insolence is sort of this, like, how, like, how are you going to tell me, you know? Like, an inbuilt in the human heart is not like, you know, it's just rare. You're like, hey, could you move that? And like, oh, I was just waiting for you to ask because I just wanted to do that for you. And I wanted you to have the experience of asking me and how joyfully I could care. You know, insolence. It's like that sense of like, hey, I'm, I'm going to ask you to do something. But like, oh, man, why do I just, you know, and it may not say all these things, but we carry it. You know, here's one, more, one other picture for us to be insolent. Where we see this all the time. I was in a hotel this week. I was meeting a friend there. And there was a, a, an elevator. I hadn't been to the particular hotel. And he got to the elevator. And there was a, like a, a doorman, a guy who's running the elevator. And uh, so uh, he'd been there for a, a work function. So I was meeting him out there. And so I, I knew where, where he was to go meet him. And there was probably, there was one guy who's in front of me and two other, so we go to the lift, and the doorman's like, oh, you have to hold on, I need to, you know, I need to do the card, what floor do you want to go to, where do you want to go, we all happen to be wanting to go to the same place, and so he's like, all right, and you'll just have to wait a minute, so we had to wait a minute, and then we get in the lift, and I'm like, this is really cool, I'm not often in a hotel where there's someone who has to, you know, kind of let me in, this is fun, you know, and but we're in this lift, and there's these two uh, kind of, you know, young adult ladies. They're probably in the late 20s, maybe early 30s. These weren't like teenagers or anything. And they're like, can you believe that guy? Who does he think he, they literally, this is what they're articulating. They're like, oh, what, like, what kind of job is that anyway? You know, oh, I'm the elevator guy. Look, I've got this pass, and no one can get on the elevator without me. And they're going on and on. You know, you ever been in an elevator, and you can tell, like, people, like, want you to kind of join in, and this is funny, and they're, like, going on and on. And, and the guy next to me, he's kind of chuckling politely, and I'm like, hey, I've got this rubber band, and um, would you like, no, I'm just kidding. I didn't, I didn't do that. In fact, I should just switch hands for suggesting it, and um, that's not very, and um, you'll find out more later if you don't know the rubber bands. But... Uh, but, you know, I was like, this is, just, just to understand this, in our culture, this thing is everywhere. Don't read this, and don't read number 16 and go, geez, I'm glad. That was really an intense time or weird time. This stuff is everywhere. And it's the attitude that just says, that thrives on, that enjoys saying, who do you think you are? And, and actually enjoys or almost gets a kick out of putting someone else down. And maybe it's not always that intense, but this is what it looks like. Now, what should be the attitude? So to get rid of this thing and understand, it's not some people, some, all of us, it lurks in our hearts. That's the story of the scriptures. They're not just about the Israelites. They're about humanity. This is a story about all of us. And, it, and here's the, it, it actually keeps us. Do you know what ends up happening to the people who led this rebellion? Is God says, I'm going to make a distinction so you know who's with me and who's not. Moses basically says to them after he's prayed, fine, go for it. Do what you want to do. And God ends up setting them in two places. And the earth where the four and the 250 and all their crew and their families and everybody was who was part of rebelling, God literally splits the earth, and they are swallowed up alive into the earth. And I say all that to say the Corinthians verses tell us all this stuff is written. Why? Because they were bad people. No, it was written, it says, as warnings and instructions for us. So that you and I would go, you know what? Actually, to have that kind of attitude, it's not a small thing. It keeps us from ever entering the abundant, joyful life that God wants for us. 
So the adjustment is to be able to go, you know what? Lord, I see it. I see that, that actually an attitude like that, it's not something you just go, well, some people are stubborn. Some people are like this. Or that's just how Aussies are or anything like that. God looks at it and he says, no, this will keep you from ever experiencing the life I actually dreamed for you. And so you need to deal with it. And the attitude adjustment is to say, you know what, Lord, and this is our word, it's to con we start with confession. To confess, it means to say with God. And we say, God, I see that, and I say with you, you're right, that's wrong. I don't want that in my life. And then we turn and say, God, I want to embrace the life you want for me. And so what's the life God wants for us? Here's the picture of what God intends. Here's how he says, I dream you'd relate to people. Here's how I dream that people who know me, that follow me, here's how I, I if, if people live like this, even though it might be counterintuitive, it would actually take them into a joyful, abundant life I want for them. And we're going to get a snapshot of it from 1 Peter chapter 2. And it says this, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake. Say submit. That sounds like fun, hey? I said no one ever, so... Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority, to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong, to commend those who do right. Verse 15, for it's God's will that by doing good. Let me hear you say doing good. Doing good. You would silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Ultimately, we submit to God, and it plays out in how we then live in relationship to others. Show proper respect to everyone. Show proper respect to your favorite people. Show proper respect to the really good leaders above you who always get it right all the time. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. I love this last phrase, honor the emperor, that ties it all up. Do you know the word that we're going to use to encapture how God dreams we would actually relate to other people, and especially those who are in a place of authority, whether it's our parents, uh, whether it's a boss, whether it's a leader in any way, we all are to submit to one another. And the, the word that should characterize the way we relate to one another, we're going to use today is this word, honor. Do you know the opposite of being insolent towards someone is to honor that person. Now, we see this word, and you see it all throughout the New Testament, that we should submit to one another. There is a, and, and submitting is at the core of what it looks like to honor someone. Now, submitting is, submission is not a, a, a fun or popular word, and sometimes it's been used in very bad ways, and so we can be discolored to it. But I want us to get a picture of what this actually looks like. It is to actually honor the people around us. No one is perfect. Now, when someone is abusive or in any kind of situation like that, of course we understand that's not what these verses are addressing. But what they are addressing is this reality that the way we should be predisposed as followers of Jesus is to honor the people around us, not to tear them down, not to say, who are you to tell me what to do? 
not to make life difficult for the people around us by always feeling, you know, that we should honor them. At the heart of that is to be willing to submit at times. To submit is to say, you know what? This is what I'd like to do right now. And this is what I think would be a great idea right now. Or here's the best way I could see to achieve that goal. But I'm actually going to say, but you are, you have a position of, of leadership here, whatever that is. And I am going to submit and say, I will put what I want to the side and say, okay. I will honor you. God's put you here. Can you imagine with me for a moment how differently the experience of the people in the desert might have been if these four leaders and the 250 other people that rallied around them because an insolent attitude has a way of just spreading like wildfire. Imagine if instead of saying, Moses, who do you think you are? They said, Moses, we know it's probably a bit tough out here. We got word that instead of going to that promised land, we're going to wander out here for 40 years. It's probably not going to be the most fun. Imagine you're not feeling at the moment like this is sort of the highlight of your leadership career. Imagine Moses, you probably, we've heard the story, you didn't actually even want this position, did you? We heard that you actually argued with God and said to him, no, don't send someone else, anyone else, but, but God's put you here. Moses, we want to know how can we support you? How could we be a part of making life in the wilderness better? How different would it have been? But it wasn't what they chose, and here's the thing, but to honor is to actually go, okay, we get it. I see that, you know, how can I... And I love this word honor, because say the word honor. Like, you know how you say the word insolent, and it kind of makes your whole face and body just kind of go, ugh. You know, if you go, ugh, it all, like your whole body has to, like, experience it. You say the word honor, and it's almost like you also feel a sense, like, this is good, isn't it? Like, it's good to honor people. It's good to speak well of them when they're not around. It's good to speak words of life and encouragement. It's good to go, the whole world around us says, who do you think you are? And we say, God is doing something in your life. How can I support it and encourage it? You got a great dream and a great vision. How can I get behind you and, and bless that and be a part of what God's doing in your life? You're my boss, and you don't get it right all the time, and, and I don't think you always make the best decisions, but I'm here, and I want to honor you. How can, I, how, can I, how can I serve you? What can I do that will make your life easier? How can I speak well of you? To honor, boy, it's a good thing. Boy, you did something that really made a difference. I want to honor that. You know, I'll give you one, you know, kind of snapshot of, of honor. You know, because here's the thing as well, and this is what I wouldn't want to have happen today. I wouldn't want to have happen that we have some big words like rebellion, or insolence, or honor, or submit, and they're all big words, and we're like, that's a big deal. And if I see someone, you know, who did something amazing this week, I will honor them. And it becomes like this sort of big thing, but because here's, here's what I want to have happen. This is something that plays out in a thousand small ways every day. It's not just big stuff out there and big decisions. It's small, tiny moments. You know, my wife, Lisa, she's uh, you know, one of, one of the pastors on staff here last week, she was getting uh, 
things ready for the, this glow party we had, or maybe it was a couple weeks ago, I, I can't recall. And there was lots of stuff that needs done. You know, it was a great, it was great outreach. We had all kinds of people from the community. I talked to a couple people from our community last night uh, that, that I saw, and they had brought their kids, and one of them was just telling me, and they would never normally come to church, and they had come to the Globe. And said, it was such a great night. It was such a good time. And, and we just love that that's a space we can kind of come. Nobody pushes anything. And they are just on this journey now where they're getting more and more engaged with what God's doing through our church. It's an awesome thing. And, and so... Behind that, though, is like it's, it's a Wednesday, and there's all this stuff that needs set up. And, and so Lisa, she had all this stuff in the car, and there was, you know, enough candy to, to feed an army of, you know, sugar-eating ants or something. You know, there was so much candy and different things. And it was all in the car, and she turned to uh, one of our, 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 our younger uh, intern leaders, and she just realized she had to carry all this stuff in. Now, here's the thing. You're like, you're like oh, I want to I see people come to Christ. I want to do something significant. I want to be a part. But then it plays out into, like, yeah, well, you got to unload a car, <laughs> you know. And so she's at that moment. She's like, oh, I'm going to have to do all this stuff. She turns to a couple of the young interns we got in this one uh, young woman named Mon, and, and she says to Mon, hey, would you be able to help me unload the car? And Mon was like, oh, do I have to? Couldn't you just get that? No, she did not. She did. And, uh, and if she had, I would not share that story. And, uh, and anyone who knows her would know that would literally never happen. And I should, like, change my thing five times for suggesting, even in a, a joking way, that that should happen. But, but here's my point. We all know that moment, and we know the inbuilt desire at times that that's what we feel, even if we don't say it. Like, do I have to? Why didn't you? Like, just, you know what Mon said? She literally just goes, too easy. Too easy. Now, I want you to imagine the difference in, say, this is Lisa. It's her. She's in charge of something. She has to get it accomplished. What is the difference in experience when you go to ask someone to help you with something between, ugh, or too easy? That's the difference between insolence and honor. And honor says, not, it's not just, okay, I'll do that because I have to. It's a how can, I, how can I just honor you? How can I be a part of that? And do you know what it feels like when someone, and Lisa, this stood out to her because yeah, this doesn't happen all the time. <laughs> I'll be honest, happens sometimes and a lot. But you know it. You know it in your own families. You know it in your workplaces. You know it if you're on a team. It doesn't always, you ask people to do things, it doesn't always come out too easy. But when it does... It's like a breath of fresh air. It's like it gets released into the atmosphere. It's like something that was about to be a dread suddenly feels like joy. And that's what honor looks like. It's not this just always giant thing. It's in the small things. It's in the, it's in the ways we interact. It's in the ways we respond when we're asked to do something that is not that fun. But we're able to just say, hey, how can I encourage, how can I support? Now imagine this. Imagine this. You're in your workplace. And your boss has a project. Your supervisor has a project. And you think it's a dumb idea. And they didn't really give you the best instructions, to be honest. And if they'd planned better, maybe you wouldn't even need the particular project. And they ask you, hey, can you do this and carry that out? Because that's what we need. And imagine now, how do you respond? And do you respond to them and say, too easy? 
Now imagine this. How do you think your boss is going to feel? How do you think, imagine it's your coworkers just asking some, this isn't even, and don't, please stick this in. And like, well, hey, I am the boss, so I guess I'll never find out. And I'm so stuck. All of us live under authority. And we always have to choose how we treat those. And in the principle, he says, you're free people, but submit yourselves. We choose submission. We choose to honor. We choose how we will respond and react to the people around us. And when you do that in your workplace, I mean, if you just want to be selfish this week, you want to get yourself a promotion, a raise, or more influence, choose honoring. It's a breath of fresh air to everybody. Please don't do it from a selfish point of view. But please, let's be, imagine this, imagine this. We can be the people in this world who establish a different way of living. The whole world lives often in the space. It doesn't always get verbalized, but man, it's so often in there. Who are you to tell me what to do? But we get to, here's, this is the picture. We're the people of God. There's a life of joy. And here's, and here's the thing. At the end of the day, this is where joy and peace and life and freedom are found. We think it will be found in my way, not your way. It's found in honoring other people. It's releasing. It gives life. It's a breath of fresh air. Imagine we... If you're here and you're a follower of Christ, imagine we like really, we really got this one. We went, yes, do you know what? Australia has this thing, tall poppy syndrome, but the people of God do not. We don't chuckle about it. We don't tacitly give approval to it. We don't, we honor one another. How different would this world be? How different would our church be? I, I, you know, Paul says in Philippians that you would do everything without complaining and arguing, that you might, you know, shine like stars in the night as you hold out the word of life. It will shine like a star in the night. It's a different way of living. It's what God calls us to. It's not easy, but it's what he calls us to, and it's life-giving, I promise. So here's our, our challenge this morning. All right, Dean, you convinced me. I want it. I want to live an honoring life. I got two pieces for you today. The first is this. We recognize this always. Uh, it's not like none of us have this one solved or figured out or, or you know, I, this is, we, we all learn it. And, but what we do is we acknowledge this. There was only one who could ever, who ever lived a perfectly honoring life, submissing life. We have only one who was able to do what we could never do on our own, and that's Jesus Christ. We're going to take communion in a few moments. And when we take that bread and cup, it's an acknowledgement that, God, I fall short of what you intended. But Christ did not. And you read 1 Peter 2, and it talks about Jesus, who is our example. And no matter what came at him, he submitted himself to the will of the Father, and he secured life for us. And he's now the overseer of our souls. And we, are, we can choose to submit to him. And so when you take that bread and cup, you're saying, Christ, my faith is no longer. It's not like, hey, we're going to go out and be perfect this week because it, it may not happen. I hope we can do better than we did last week. But we know we're not perfect, but we acknowledge Christ has done this on my behalf. So I'm no longer trying to earn this. Or maybe if I just do this enough or get all the right attitudes, then I've kind of earned. No, no, no. Because he has earned it for us, we now go live from that space. Let me start to step into it. 
And so when we take communion, I want to encourage you this morning, if you want to make that shift, one of the things we do is the attitude adjustment. It's confess, God, I say with you, that's wrong. Show me where that shows up in my life and help me to turn from it and live in a different way. And I want to encourage you to do that today. And then Christ helps you into that. And here is a real practical way that you can continue to engage in that this week. These rubber bands, if you weren't here last week, we started with them last week that, you know, here's the, what you do with it. You just put that on your wrist. And our challenge is for 21 days to not have to move it. So what's that mean? Here's, how, here's what you got to do. Now you're like, okay, you know, if, if you're new here today, you might be thinking this. Like, okay, so now every time I, I complain, do I snap myself? Or every time I'm insolent and dishonoring, I got to snap myself like, you know, bad me. That's not, you know, I did that wrong. No, 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 not at all. That's not it at all. These aren't here because it's like, oh, bad me. But what this is here is to go, you know what? Whenever you find yourself suddenly realizing, ah, that's it. I was just insolent. I was just actually, there was a part of me that just really didn't like that that person tried to tell me what to do or ask me what to do or anything. You know what? Lord, I'm sorry. That was wrong. And what you do is you just take the rubber band and you move it to the other hand. And all it is, it is attitudes are hard to change because they're patterns of thought we've often built and acquired and maintained over a long period of time. And to shift an attitude requires starting to create some new wiring, some new circuits, some new pathways in our own minds and thoughts and patterns of behavior. And it's just there to start to help us be aware. It's there to create a moment that you can actually allow the Spirit to work right in the middle of your day. To go, yeah, I'm going to choose you know what? Instead of choosing to be insolent right now, I'm going to choose to be honoring. How can I right now actually, you know, submit in a way that's good and, and honoring to this person? Or how can I find a way right now to honor them and how I'm speaking about it? How can I find a way? And so for 21 days, so the goal of the 21-day challenge is to go 21 days without ever having to move it. And every week it's going to get progressively harder because we've now decided we're going to broaden it, not just from complaining, but from all four bad attitudes that we'll look at in this series. And so, uh, so if you're like, okay, I think I've got enough to work on. There's even more, which is great, right? All of a sudden, it's freeing. It's life-giving. But the idea is start to be conscious of our attitudes. And so you can do that during the week. And hopefully start to, to just become aware and let God start to shape some of those things. Why don't you stand where you are and what we're going to do right now is we're going to be reminded he's already done it for us. And I want to encourage you, as you come forward this morning, as you take the bread, as you take the cup. And so in a moment, we're going to sing. And if you want to, everyone here, you're just free. You're welcome. This table represents Christ and all he's done for us. Then you're welcome to come up, to grab a bit of bread, to grab a cup, take it to your seat. And you just eat the bread when you want. And you can drink the cup when you want. And it's a way of declaring, I'm in Christ. I submit to him. I want to live as his servant. I submit my heart, my will to him. And as you do that, I encourage you to maybe today spend some moments just praying and asking him to show you, you know, what needs confessed, what needs brought out, what do you need to say to him? Lord, I get it, and that was wrong, and I'm sorry. Help me live in the joy and the freedom that you actually want. Help me to be honoring. So I encourage you to take this time, use it to meet with him. Would you bow with me in prayer? Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Jesus, that you did what we could never do. We thank you that you've gone to the cross and you've risen again, and you lived the perfect life we never could. And you welcome us to your table. And you call all who are hungry and thirsty to come and to eat and to drink. 
and to say, I submit to you, Lord Jesus. I honor you as king. And so, Lord, I pray that as we do that this morning, may we meet with you. May we honor you in this place. It's in your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen.